Hello, you're listening to Wait, How Do You Spell That? A Rare Disease Podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the content manager for PatientWorthy. Today, we're going to be discussing allergial syndrome, which is a rare genetic condition that presents across organ systems in the body. And to help us, I'm happy to say that we've got two very special guests from one of our partner organizations, the Allergial Syndrome Alliance. Cher Bork and Roberta Smith are the executive director and president, respectively, of the organization. Cher, Roberta, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us, Colby. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time today to come on and share some important information with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. We're always so eager to share about allergial syndrome. Uh, You know, it's our life's mission. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're we're glad to have one of our partner organizations come on and introduce our audience to this topic. It's it's really important. Uh, On that note, to start with, Roberta, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the condition, uh, can you give us an overview of allergial syndrome and the ALGSA? Absolutely. First, I think it's important to really, really, and going on with the title here, to spell elegial. <laughs> That's always something we try to be mindful of. Yeah. It, is, it is always spelled wrong and always said wrong and so important uh, in our advocacy to make sure that people know that. A-L-A-G-I-L-L-E, elegial syndrome. Elegial syndrome is an autosomal dominant genetic disorder that affects one to all the organ systems It really varies in severity from mild to quite severe, which also contributes to a lot of diagnostic challenges when trying to uh, identify the disease. We do see multiple organ transplants. So across the board, some individuals have liver transplants, especially because this is, you know, a, a cholestatic liver disease. So there's a lot of liver involvement, not for everyone, but for many. We also see re-transplant, so people who have had liver transplants and then get re-transplanted. We see some kidney transplants, some multi-organ transplants as well, sometimes uh, liver and kidney. We've also seen some lung and some heart transplants with this uh, disease, depending on the severity. Uh, With the different severity also comes different symptoms. For example, severe liver disease, even sometimes mild liver disease, can result in pruritus, which is itching, and we see a lot of turmoil and how the pruritus affects the whole family unit, including the individual, you know, the individual who has itching. We do have two different pharmaceutical companies who are working on uh, medications to address that. We also see different symptoms from vitamin deficiencies. Uh, nutritional deficiencies, uh, malnourishment, uh, because the body can't absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So we really see a lot of different issues with allergial syndrome, which makes it very difficult for families and uh, opens up the spectrum for other uh, diagnoses as well that maybe don't align or aren't correct diagnoses or are additional diagnoses on top of allergial syndrome. Can you give us some of the history of the Allergial Syndrome Alliance? Sure. The Allergial Syndrome Alliance is in its 28th year. The Allergial Syndrome Alliance, otherwise known as ALGSA, was started by a mom with a daughter with Allergial Syndrome. And we have been able to carry on the organization, uh, creating in the last three years, 11 new programs, which Cher will talk about later. 
and have really done a tremendous job in making sure we have our community outreach and financial assistance for our families. So we really do a lot with the families, but we also have a heavy science side. And so we're involved in several different um, science initiatives uh, as well, which we can talk about later too. Roberta, one important aspect, as you mentioned, is the variability of conditions and the fact that it can present symptoms differently from patient to patient. What does the road to diagnosis typically look like for someone with this condition? The road to diagnosis can be really tricky. Uh, We have several different challenges, as I mentioned earlier, to this diagnostic odyssey, and they, they are everything from being misdiagnosed to their diagnosis just being missed uh, overall. Um, And also, as time moves forward, uh, genetic testing being more available, we see more and more adults are now being diagnosed because their children or their grandchildren have been genetically diagnosed with testing. So we've been able to kind of go backwards in that aspect of diagnosis. So a few of the different challenges, uh, many times LGL syndrome is misdiagnosed as biliary atresia, for example. They're both cholestatic liver diseases. LGL syndrome is often misdiagnosed as this, and in turn, LGL patients then end up having this procedure called a CASI, pretty invasive surgery. And there's a just a, a small amount of time with an infant where that surgery should be done if they have biliary atresia. We see very often this is done and the surgery is then completed and then afterwards it's, oh, sorry, wrong diagnosis. And by then they've undergone this surgery and their uh, medical journey is then complicated by this. So that's one area. We also see because it affects one to all the organ systems that some people are diagnosed with maybe one piece of it like a heart condition, for example, Tetralogy of Fallot, or maybe a liver disease portion. But if their clinician is not educated about the syndrome or just has never heard of it, it's never pieced together as an entire syndrome. And they might go their whole life thinking they have one thing, but in fact, it's much more than that. And then, of course, we also see uh, infants that might be jaundice and Uh, It's just considered like an infant jaundice or a neonatal jaundice and perhaps the smaller hospital system that they're at or smaller facilities, they never tie it in with the liver disease and then their diagnosis is delayed. Cher, if we can uh, turn to the Alliance for one second, what are some of the ways the ALGSA supports people living with this condition? So as Roberta mentioned, uh, we have a really solid foundation in serving our families. Uh, Up until three years ago or so, um, you know, that consisted of supporting them through um, social media, phone calls, um, just kind of being being there to to talk them through challenges uh, and different things. And then a few years ago, we really started getting involved more in the science uh, behind allergy syndrome, and then also, you know, more impactful and measurable programs. That was something that became very important to us. And as Roberta mentioned, we do have 11 programs that we've developed in the past few years. Uh, And I just wanted to touch on a couple of those that I feel like are the most impactful, uh, especially for our families. Sure. We we have a financial assistance program that uh, we started here in the U.S. uh, a few years ago that we've now expanded internationally. 
And uh, through that assistance program, we offer uh, to cover expenses, basic expenses, such as uh, rent or mortgage, utilities, perhaps car notes or car insurance, uh, and then other medical expenses not covered uh, by insurance. We have really seen, especially over the past year, how very impactful that can be, especially to families in other countries. We really see how even a small amount can make a big difference for a family when they are in uh, their greatest time of need. Uh, Some other programs that we've also rolled out over the past couple of years, we have ALGS Academy, which is an educational program uh, where we do podcasts much like this uh, and other videos for our families, for our scientists, and then also for clinicians. Under ALGS Academy, we also have uh, videos from all of our symposiums, our in-person symposiums, where uh, experts have, have conducted talks or workshops, if you will. ALGS Abroad is our international uh, support and focus group program. And through that program, we have been able to truly expand the work of the Alliance on an international level. Uh, we have small working groups in uh, different countries with different languages. Under that program, we have translation services. So at least one of our document support materials are translated into the particular language. Right now we have translations in about eight languages. With our Spanish speaking community, we've taken that a step farther and we have a fully integrated program where we have a fully translated landing page on our website and then many of our materials uh, translated into Spanish. Uh, So that program is also growing. And then, um, as we've mentioned, too, uh, with the science, uh, we have an annual research grant program. So we award a research grant to a scientist or researcher working in allergy syndrome and really try to be the hub of activity for, you know, scientists to connect with families, for pharmaceutical companies to connect with families, you know, the patient voice is at the forefront of everything that we do. Uh, And so through uh, that science program, we've been able to really take the day-to-day life of allergy syndrome and get that in front of uh, the people working in our space, which has been just an amazing thing to watch collaborations form, uh, and just to, to watch how the level of understanding has increased so much over the years. It's really been uh, incredible to see. Roberta, I know you have a family member with allergial syndrome. Uh, can you tell us about your background and how you became involved with the ALGSA? Yes, I have twin daughters that are going to be 18 uh, at the end of this year, and one has allergial syndrome, one does not. So I've been in the ALGS community for many years. Uh, I actually started with the ALGSA because there was an international newsletter that would be mailed to the house and it it was full of great things, um, you know, highlights from doctors, um, any activity going on in science, which at that time there really wasn't a lot. And also they would list the birthdays and, you know, just try to excite families that somebody knows something about Allergyl and here we're going to put it in this newsletter. So it was, it was great. But what it was missing was a personal connection to other families because we're living in rare. You don't really know if what you're experiencing, the emotional turmoil, the burden of disease, you know, the day-to-day struggles, 
if other families are dealing with that. And at the time, we didn't have the ability to reach out to other families the same way. We didn't, you know, we didn't have, you know, Facebook or Instagram or any of those, which, you know, our community has grown uh, tremendously because of those. I really wanted to see a personal connection in there, something that families could relate to. And I wrote the organization, asked if they would consider, you know, allowing me to write a column. And they said yes. And so I started with Roberta's Ramblings and just gave a day-to-day account of, you know, some of the different experiences, different emotions, different medical challenges. And it just became something consistent for the families to uh, look forward to. I did that for many years. I want to say from about 2005 until maybe 2013 or 14. I joined the board in early 2013 and then moved into a director of communications role with the organization. And then from there, moved in as the president in 2017. So uh, it's been quite a journey. I, I would say just a tremendous opportunity to really meet new people, you know, and, and understand the families, the issues that they're going through. That's really important and it's important to the work and it's important to the progression of what we know about the disease. And as Cher said, you know, we really put the patient voice ahead of everything else. And so doing that just allowed me to be a part of something much bigger than myself. And Roberto, what advice would you have for someone whose child is newly diagnosed with allergial syndrome? You really want to connect to the organization. You want to immediately connect with other families. That is critical to your sanity. I think, you know, getting involved helps to really give families a deeper understanding of, you know, direction of care, helps them understand what they're going through, helps them understand they're not alone. And I think getting involved in the initiatives with the organization, the programs, uh, once you get involved, you understand that you might qualify for certain programs, financial assistance that many of our families need. So I think that's a really big piece of advice as far as connecting um, with the organization. But it's also important to find a community that supports what you're going through. And the Allergial Syndrome Alliance has an Allergial Syndrome Awareness Support Group, which is tremendous. Uh, It has about 2,200 people in it. Uh, New families come in. A lot of times a typical pattern is a new family comes in and they introduce themselves and a lot of times they're very scared, very worried, their future is not clear. And this support group just allows them to vent and be worried and be scared and tons of other families will come in and say, hey, we're here for you, we understand. And I think that's really important for anyone with a new diagnosis like allergial syndrome. And can you give us some examples of ways that friends and family can be supportive of someone with this condition? Yes, it's really hard for friends and families to understand what really happens inside the home a lot of times. And the ways that families can be supportive is to offer financial help if they're able, to offer to watch the child or children uh, with the condition so that the parents can get a break, to engage in learning about the disease. Once they learn about the disease and become vested in the success of, for example, the child and their medical well-being, they really become then a great support for the parent. 
one aspect we often discuss on the show regarding rare conditions is the need for treatment centers and standards of care. Uh, I know the ALGSA is working on its own centers of expertise program. Uh, can you tell us more about that and why it's so important? That's right. We hope to have the centers of expertise program rolled out by year's end. Uh, what we would like to do is identify hospital systems that are extraordinary in their care for allergial syndrome patients. Uh, we do have currently two hospital systems that actually have allergial syndrome clinics, and we hope to see many more hospital systems like that. Even though some hospital systems don't have allergial clinics per se, there are some that have calisthenic liver disease clinics or a focus on calisthenic liver diseases or even a focus on one area that allergial syndrome, uh, you know, that links to allergial syndrome as well, like maybe a, a specialized rare cardiac component that then because of that, they have been excellent care for allergial syndrome patients that might have that. So what we really want to do is start to highlight those centers on our website and along with that create wonderful partnerships that allow us to lead patients to their clinics or you know have them involved in the initiatives that we have whether it's educational webinars, podcasts, uh, resources, care tools and also get them involved then in our symposiums, in our events. Uh, I think that is a huge support or will be a huge support for our families as well as our organization and for them. You mentioned earlier, Cher, one important program that you offer is the Allergial Syndrome International Symposium, uh, which is coming up on July 16th and 17th of this year. Uh, can you tell us more about that event? I would actually, I would love to tell you about three events that we have coming up. Uh, since we, since we're on here, let's go ahead and talk about oh, the, yeah. second the second half of the year is really heavy for us uh, with regard to events. So sure thing. I'd love to talk about all three of those. Go right the ahead. Symposium, thank you. The symposium, it's the ninth international symposium on allergial syndrome, and it is coming up in July. Uh, this year we will be completely virtual. Typically we are in person every other year. Uh, but of course, this year we are virtual and even though we are going to miss, uh, you know, those in-person interactions, uh, this has really allowed our international families to uh, participate and be engaged a lot more uh, than they have in the past. So these two days, and it is a packed agenda with, um, we have several of our experts who will be on with presentations uh, ranging from nutrition to uh, cardiac to liver, kidney. Uh, we also have um, some of our scientists come on. It's not a full scientific meeting as we've had in the past, uh, but we do have several science spotlights that uh, will be, you know, kind of learning about uh, what has happened since um, the last symposium, what's happened in science. And that is really important for our families to be able to hear directly from our researchers uh, what's going on, and then be able to interact uh, at the end of those presentations. And then one very special thing that we have on the agenda will be a showing of, it's called Allergial Syndrome, Genetically Speaking. It is a documentary video that um, we rolled out earlier this year, actually on Rare Disease Day, and it features um, two of our experts, Dr. David Piccoli and Dr. Nancy Spinner, who were both on the team and actually led the charge 
way back in the 90s when they found the genes associated with allergy syndrome. And it just follows their journey, discovering those genes. And it's really, it's such an incredible video and so important for uh, the community now and for the future to have that, you know, on video that we can, you know, watch and learn from uh, again now and into the future. Um, A couple other things on the agenda. Uh, We have a teen panel that is extremely popular where um, allergy syndrome teens uh, and young adults come on and it's not just patients, it's also siblings. And we hear directly from them. They take questions and uh, it's very, very impactful, you know, hour or so on the agenda. We have um, some other sessions. Caring for the caregiver is very popular where we are talking about, just as Roberta was mentioning, you know, what's important for, um, you know, caregivers how to make sure that you, um, you know, care for yourself so you can care for your child the best uh, possible way. And then we also have a session specifically for adults. You know, this is um, something that we were really focused on this year as children become adults, young adults, you know, the care changes. Pediatric care is much different than adult care. And so we're really focused on our adults and uh, trying to develop that standard of care for them. Uh, And then many of our sessions are also simultaneously will be kind of breakouts in uh, Spanish for our uh, Hispanic group. And then uh, after symposium, we have the fight for a better life, which is um, our largest annual fundraising campaign for the organization. It's a peer to peer campaign and it runs September 1st through October 15th. Uh, Typically, we have uh, 20 to 30 families and companies that get involved, and each family or company will set up uh, a team, and they have an event of some kind in their own community. So it may be a restaurant night, or it may be a walk or 5K, um, perhaps a shoe drive or a bake sale, something that they can do right in their own community to raise funds and also increase awareness. So we're able to really get in front of a whole audience that we might not otherwise uh, be able to educate through that campaign. Uh, And again, that's the fight for a better life. And then uh, during holiday time, so the months of November and December, we have a really great program. Uh, It's a long name. It's the Holiday Giving Tree Family Gift Adoption Program. Uh, And it is, uh, we just celebrate the giving season. So, you know, holiday gifts like toys and clothes, special needs items, you know, can really cause additional strain on a family when uh, budgets are tight, uh, especially during the holidays. So through this program, gift givers can go on and read through family stories of any family that has applied to be in this program, and they can, quote, adopt that family. And what that means is the family, mom, dad, siblings, Um, as well as Allergy Warrior, have told us their top gifts that they would like to receive. Then a little story about their family. So the gift giver goes on, reads that story, sees, you know, which one really hits home with their own family, and then uh, adopts that family. And Roberta and I get to go and purchase those gifts and send them off, which is, it's incredible. We did this last year for the very first time, and it was such a popular program. And it was, it was just fantastic to see, you know, the impact that it had, not just on the receiving family, but also the donors. Uh, It was fantastic. 
So it sounds like there are a lot of great programs coming up with some good opportunities for getting involved in the community. If someone is interested in learning more about the symposium or any of your other events this year, where can they go to do that? The best place is going to be our website, and that's allagile.org. And I'll spell it again. It's A-L-A-G-I-L-L-E.org. Or of course, we are on social media, and we are ALGS Alliance on the top social media channels. Well, Cher, Roberta, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, It was great to have you on to share a lot of important information about allergial syndrome today. And I know we'd love to have you on again in the future. Oh, absolutely. We would love that. Thank you, Colby. Thank you to Patient Worthy. Uh, Thank you for the work that you do. Uh, You make our job so much easier. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. And once again, you can find out more information about Allergial Syndrome Alliance and the upcoming International Symposium by visiting the ALGSA homepage at www.allergial.org. That's A-L-A-G-I-L-L-E.org. And we'll leave a link to that website in the show notes for this episode. And you can always keep up with the latest in rare disease news by visiting patientworthy.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for patientworthy on those platforms. And if you have any comments about today's show, or if you'd like to share your own story, you can always get in touch with us by dropping me a line. You can reach me at colby at patientworthy.com. And as always, thanks for listening. 